Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, and while you're turning, I'd like to introduce my topic a little bit. Um, I had a dear brother recently preach a, a great message on going all in for Jesus. Um, it's a poker term, so I don't know how spiritual that was, but um, all in for Jesus. And I and uh, we've been praying for each other uh, for about a week or more about all in for Jesus. And I wonder, uh, tonight, uh, I want to encourage you to be all in for Jesus. If you're not saved, I hope uh, part of the message you'll hear gospel. Um, if you are saved, um, the balloons over in the corner are not left over from a party. Um, but I want to think of rising up. If you, if you are saved, we're going to see a warning uh, and an encouragement about rising up. So that's my main thought, as well as how do we rise up. Uh, and I think that's going to come about by uh, developing a spiritual appetite. So I don't want to throw two balls at you at once, because uh, usually we catch uh, neither of those. Um, so I'll separate them. But rise up, and let's watch what we eat. Have you ever wondered, uh, I have, why is it that I would much prefer a bacon cheeseburger over kale salad? And on occasion, if I eat kale salad, I would even say maybe I'm happy to eat it. But there's no longing for it. Um, spiritually speaking, as, as Paul writes in Romans, um, the things that I want to do, I, I never, it's just not easy. And then the things that I don't want to do actually come quite easy. Um, why do I um, get angry? Why do I let things leave my mouth that shouldn't? Um, why is lust such a part of my brain activity? Um, why when I, when I want to be all in, when I want to follow God with all my heart, do I let do I make trades and exchanges that are bad ones? I mean, if, if you were watching the deal um, and, and we're trading, you'd be like, no, that's a bad trade. I, don't do that. We trade, we trade fear for faith. Uh, we trade sorrow for rejoicing, and we'll chew on the sorrow longer than we should. Um, God wants all of our hearts. Um, my mom and dad are here tonight. How are you? I got I have two two shout outs for you guys. Um, I have a picture story for my dad. Uh, and mom, I know your verse is your favorite verse is Proverbs three, five and six. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path. Um, two times they say all. So let's be all in for Jesus tonight. Uh, if you had, this is. I don't want to lean towards carnal, but it's already heading there. If we were at the poker table and we were gathered around, um, I think Jesus would whisper in your ear, I'm giving you a good hand. Push the ch- Go all in. Um, and so all in for Jesus. Let's rise up. If you're in Ephesians 5, um, re- I'm, I'm not in Ephesians 5. Tonight, um, I'm going to give you a fair shot to keep up. I have not cheated. I have not front-loaded so that I can just flip quick. Uh, So as I flip, you flip, uh, and we'll see who wins. Uh, Ephesians 5, verse 14. Here's a warning about rising up. Wherefore, he saith, 
Awake thou that sleepest, and rise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. When I first read that, uh, not that long ago, I wondered if, if the scriptures here were encouraging a lost person to get saved. Um, and I thought about it, and there's uh, this is referencing Isaiah. Um, and if you look a couple verses up in Ephesians, um, he, you can see clearly uh, he's talking to Christians. Um, rise up and imagine that a Christian saved, uh, heaven-bound, washed in the blood, redeemed. Uh, I chose the white balloons because we've been made righteous uh, through the blood of God, um, the blood of Christ. Imagine that faith that comes and that, that faith through the word of God that stirs um, and just as, as God breathed life into Adam and Eve, uh, into Adam, he, he breathes life into your soul. Uh, what a miraculous event. And, and the power of the Holy Spirit uh, and, and the power of God begins to work. Um, imagine that. And then, and then here he's saying, though, that it's possible that we, we may still be with the dead. We were, we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. At salvation, he's made us spiritually alive. But imagine that Christian that is still sleeping among the dead. Uh, so tonight, I want to encourage you uh, to rise up. Uh, and this verse, I think, is encouraging in Ephesians 2. Uh, if you want to just turn a page back. Ephesians 2, we're going to look at verse 5 and 6. It says, Even when we were dead in our sins... Even when we were dead in our sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Wow, he's, he's raised us up. And here the, he's talking positionally. Uh, positionally, uh, each one of us is raised up. You can see those balloons are, are at different levels. Um, each one representing a saved person. Uh, they're at different heights, but positionally, each Christian is is made right with God. And earlier in Ephesians, he said he's made us accepted in the Beloved. Imagine that. The throne of, of God, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and then you and I are invited to, uh, I don't know if wandering is the right word, but it, it would be fit for us to be there. It would be, it would be okay for us to be there. But the trouble comes in is that as reconciling the positional righteousness that he's given us and the way you and I lead our lives. Um, so if we're going to rise up, we need to get, I believe, um, I don't, I, sometimes I, I get obsessed. I think, oh, I'm, I'm getting fat. And so I put on a short sleeve shirt, got it out of my winter closet, and this thinking thing shrank this winter. Uh, it's tight. <laughs> it didn't really shrink. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and so for a while I'll be saying, man, I've got to cut back my snacks at night. Uh, boy, I have to be careful here. And, and in connection to that, on occasion, I'll, not more than occasion, each night I'll step on the scale. I'm like, oh, it's not any better. Um, and I think spiritually speaking, God does not want us continually stepping on the scale, seeing, did I check off my church attendance? Did I check off my Bible reading? I think if we're living Christian life that way by, 
by, by doing and stepping, we're missing out. And so if we're going to rise up, um, I've got a, a very technical, high-tech. Pastor uh, Andrew um, preached a, a message. His was a backpack. This is much more high-tech. So if we're going to rise up, hold on. Oh, it's not working. It's too high-tech. Yeah, it did rise up. Um, If we're going to rise up, we're going to need to, I believe, stop stepping on the scale. It's discouraging. Um, I believe we're going to need to let God do a work, and he will. Um, This is not in your notes, and actually it gets scary at that point. Uh, But if you turn with me to uh, Galatians. I think you might beat me this time. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Some of the, the disadvantages of um, not leading a sanctified life is that sin has an appetite. Uh, it, it's not, you, it's, you can't count out if you're watching your weight, you can't count out and say, okay, uh, my diet says that I can have seven M&Ms and you count them out uh, and you enjoy each of those M&Ms as if it was your last M&M in, in, on your life. And so we count it out. But with sin, it's not that way. Um, sin has an appetite. And, and cheer up, though, righteousness has an appetite. And so... If we're going to rise up, we're going to need to get our eyes off of ourselves. We're going to need to, I think, honestly, I think we need to stop even looking at the sin. I, 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 I get tired of fighting sin. I don't want to see my sin. I want to see Jesus Christ and him lifted up. And so if we're going to have victory over this, I think we need to be aware. But look at the work that righteousness uh, wants to do uh, in each one of us. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live, in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by law, then Christ is dead in vain. That word frustrate, the righteousness of God at the moment you got saved... He, he implanted a spiritual life in you and, it, and righteousness began to want to do a work in you. And if, if we're still sleeping among the dead, then I believe that he called you in faith to do something, to let go of something, and we couldn't let it go. And there we are sleeping among the dead. Um, and so if we're going to rise up, uh, we're going to need to let the, the work, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit do a work in you. And I don't think it's going to be as we focus on sin, but it's going to be as we focus on Jesus Christ. So let me open up in prayer. Probably it's been too long before I prayed, but let's pray now. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, for each one that's here. I pray that you would help us to, uh, to rise up, Lord, that we would see you, uh, that we would be uh, encouraged in our walk, Lord, that we would uh, be a light and that we would be life to those around us. Lord, we need you tonight. I pray that uh, the words that come from my mouth, Lord, would be pleasing to you and that they would be heard uh, by each individual in the way that you'd have them to hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. And then rise up, dear brother, rise up, dear sister. Look at Colossians 3, verse 1. 
every time I have to say Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Um, Colossians 3, I can't find it unless I say it. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says this, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. So again, let's get our eyes off of uh, counting sin. Let's get our eyes really off of even fighting sin. And let's get our eyes on, on following God and serving God. Uh, let's uh, set our affection on things above. And to help me understand the verse, and I hope it helps you to understand the verse, I went to Webster's 1828 uh, to find out what he means uh, when he says set our affections. What's he talking about? And the affection, uh, according to Webster, and this is not the Bible dictionary, so I would like to apply a deeper spiritual side to it in a second, but uh, it's a bent of the mind towards a particular object. It's a bent of the mind towards a particular object. Holding a middle place between the disposition or the way it's been arranged, which is natural, and a, and a passion which is excited by the presence of an exciting object. I know I, I, know I lost half of you with that, that explanation. Like I, I got lost there somewhere in the middle. Uh, but let me say it again. Uh, it's a bent of the mind towards a particular object. And, and here in Colossians, when he says, set your affection on things above, he's saying, let's purposely uh, bend our mind. And it's not, in, in that definition, it's not a, a temporary thing. My mind is bent on the goodness of God. My mind is bent on the fact that I need God. My mind is bent on the fact that God's good. And in, in gain or loss, or in, in joy or sorrow, um, each of our minds should be bent permanently in that direction. And if you see, Webster says that it's going to hold a middle ground between uh, that positioning of our mind and a passion that's going to try and sway us or bump us off the course. But I would say this, spiritually speaking, uh, my mind is fixed on God. Fixed, fixed. No, no middle ground. And for years, I wanted to preach a message because in my own holiness, I can never... You know, don't you hate a hypocrite? And I hate to even... I never want to be a hypocrite. And so... Sometimes as you stand and you preach God's word, these high and holy uh, things as, as they're meant to be, um, you're like, man, but just, just this week, I mean, I knew I was going to be preaching, um, and I'm only half making up this story. Um, I knew I was going to be preaching, and boy, you know, this happened, and, and, and then I failed. And so I, I would want to preach to you from a position of my own holiness uh, a great message. And I... And, and I, I it, it, to be a comfort to you and really to me, I could preach a great message on Moses' failings and, and Peter's uh, shortcomings and David's problem with lust. But it, it's not going to accomplish anything. Our mind needs to be fixed on God and he has called us to a high and holy calling. And so there is no middle ground. Um, what, what I hate to say haunted me uh, in, in that thought of let's preach this message, I'm okay, you're okay, look at Peter screwed up and Moses screwed up, I'm okay, you're okay, let's just find a middle ground. There is no whole middle ground and, and the haunting verse, <clears throat> and I'm sorry that it haunted me, but it haunted me because I wasn't seeing it really as I should 
is that, that, that in the back of my mind, I heard <coughs> Jesus saying, Be ye holy, for I'm holy. And here I am, you know, messing up. But positionally, he's made us holy. But don't be deceived. Um, sin is not okay. Sin is, has an appetite. And I don't want to preach a message on I'm okay, you're okay. I want to preach a message on let's rise up and let's, let's make some choices and let's be careful. This word affection, um, I, I see bent. You know, you could say somebody's bent on this and somebody's bent on that. Um, I see bent often. In my cabinet shop, most boards don't have a bent. I don't know if it's because the lumber yard when they're kiln dried or whatever, but they mostly go through and they're mostly uh, in agreement with being cut. On occasion, you'll get a board that has a bent. And I just had a board very recently. It had such a bent that as I'm sending it through the saw, it's just it's just cupping and it was cupping so heavily that by the time I got near the bottom it literally blew open um, it, ha- it was fixed on bending and that's how God wants us to be fixed on our set your affection on things above and don't let the passions of the world that are going to knock us off course don't let them move you even to a middle ground um, we need to be set set our affections on things above uh, this is a, it's, it's a high calling. Uh, it's higher than me. Uh, it's of God. Uh, and it's not possible for me. It's only possible for God to do it. And, and he can do it. Uh, I've seen him do it in my life, and I, and I trust he'll do it in your life. Um, so how? Um, if this was a poker game, um, and we were all gathered, it would have to be a massive table, um, would would you go all in for Jesus Christ tonight? And I don't, I don't want to be that, that preacher because sometimes it makes me mad. really makes me mad when some preacher says, say to the person next to you. I'm like, I don't want to say anything to the person next to you. Just preach. Um, and so, you know, or raise your hand. And we should raise our hand if, if God's touched our heart. I'm not talking about that. But anyway, um, where was I going with that story? No idea. Um, practically, I want to talk to you practically uh, how we can bring that about. If you would, uh, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. We're going to look at verse 1 and 2. Ho, everyone that thirsts, Come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Um, I want to pause there for a minute and think practically. Um, how can we buy without money or price? Is that possible? Um, and it's really not a tricky question. It didn't come immediately to my mind, but when I thought about it just a little bit, uh, I'm like, yeah, that is possible. How can we buy without money or price? We can make a trade, right? No money, and, and it's just a, it's a trade. Um, we're going to need to trade. We're going to need to let go. I believe with all my heart that there is something in each of our lives that is causing us to, I don't know where we're at in our rising, 
but I believe there's something in each of our lives that we have to let go of. Uh, And you might say, listen, I hear you, but I can't let go of it. Um, And I think, I hope my message tonight really is spiritually based, but there's some physical parts to it too in, in regard to appetite and affection are very, very closely linked uh, as I looked at their definitions. Uh, they both are God-given. There's a, a, a natural appetite. There's um, a, a affection. There's a natural affection. Both are swayed by passions and can be uh, good or bad, uh, both of these. And so uh, if I say appetite, uh, it's affection. However, it's, that's what I'm speaking of. So uh, there's, a, there's affections. Um, we're going to need to let go of something in order to rise up. And, and you know what that thing is for you, and I know what it is for me. And one of the, uh, the, the I can't see the clock, my, tr- my truck got, I locked my keys in my truck. Thank the Lord I have the glasses that I can read uh, scripture with, but I can't see that clock. Uh, so I'm going to be careful of the clock, but I need my phone. Um, we're... we're there's an appetite, there's something we need to let go of. And uh, I was praying over a spiritual matter, and, and God gave me a tremendous victory. I mean, it was really cool. Uh, it was, if, if, if it was on a basketball court, it would have been definitely a three-point. It might have been a half-court. Um, it was a tremendous victory uh, that God gave. And, and strangely with it, um, I'll tell you what, actually what happened. You know, the, the number one rule about fasting is you're never supposed to tell anybody. Because if you tell someone you fasted, you just sacrificed all of your heavenly benefits from it. Um, so I'm laying down my heavenly benefits for you tonight. And I'm telling you I was fasting. Um, I was fasting over, over a spiritual matter. In the morning of the fast, I have a mass had, I'm glad I can say that, I had a massive problem with Diet Coke. I mean, like, you know, there's a time, you know, drinkers, they look at the clock and wonder, I don't know why, but it's okay to drink after whatever. Um, I, I, I knew I had a problem when I was trying to, pulling up at McDonald's for a, a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit and a Diet Coke <laughs> for breakfast. <laughs> it was bad. And uh, so I'm, I'm fasting about a spiritual matter. And it, it, for me, a fast is rare because I hate it. My flesh hates it. Um, and so I knew that I was going to be fasting. I stopped at dinner, uh, and morning came around, and I'm like, I wonder if I can give up food but still drink my Diet Coke. Uh, and and it, wasn't, I, it wasn't from the Lord. I think it was just obvious. I'm like, I don't think that would please the Lord. Um, so uh, the fast goes through, and, and I'm able to eat. And I'm like, you know, I, I gave up the soda. I want to keep it going. And so it's been about two months uh, since I gave up, um, you know, I should say, hi, my name is David, and I've been Diet Coke free for two months now. Um, <laughs> praise God. And so, uh, and I believe these issues are, are linked. Uh, our, our physical appetites and our spiritual appetites influence each other. Um, and, and so, however you take away from this, um, I hope you're blessed. I, and I don't care really which. I, I hope it's spiritual. But they're both important. So in, in Isaiah 55, he says, I want you to make some trades. Uh, in verse 2, he says, uh, Wherefore do you, do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and, hark, 
and eat that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness or abundance. Uh, And if we continue on down, uh, verse 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. Uh, And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Why should we make a trade for, why should we cling to faith and say no to fear? Because God's ways are higher than our ways. Uh, why should we? Why should we not chew on sorrow? Uh, because God's sufficient and God's provided, and God's ways are higher than our ways. Why should I let go of anger? Why should I let? There's a, there's a higher. Let's make trades. My mother asked me today. She, I said I'm not sure how the message is going to go. She said, "Well, have you been blessed by it?" And uh, I probably paused for a minute. I said, yes, I've been blessed. Um, and what I didn't tell her, but the, the, the foundational, I don't know if it's grassroots or the, the feet, to the blessing of this message is, is I've gone through, really before the preparation for the message, I've, I've been thinking so much of, of making trades. I want to trade up. I want to rise up. I, I'm, I never thought I would say this, but I'm starting to like water. Um, and it's better for me. Um, there's something in your life you need to let go of. Um, why? Because God knows better. He, he knows better. And I don't know, uh, we're going to be, I'm going to have to let go of some things too out of my message uh, because time is passing. But to help us with this, let's look at God's original design in Genesis uh, chapter 1. Genesis 1. And I never have to say anything to find that book. Uh, Genesis 1. Verse 29 and 31. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be meat. And interestingly, um, it's Wednesday night, so I can teach and preach, I hope. Uh, Or maybe I'm doing neither, I don't know. Um, He says to man, I've given you every herb and fruit. Uh, so, for you vegetarians out there, God intended us to be vegetarian. And the, the reasoning was, in order for me to eat a burger, i got to kill a cow. And so, uh, or buy it at McDonald's. But there was no death in, in the world yet. So, he's, he's uh, created us to be vegetarians. And if I could take my pen out, and, and I don't want to burst anybody's vegetarian bubble... But in in Genesis 9, after the flood, after the fall, so his intention was vegetarian, but he says to to Noah after they've landed, um, he says, and I wrote it down, I don't know if I can find it in my notes, but he says basically every living thing that breatheth or liveth, uh, I intend for you to eat. Uh, So one of the sects of, of vegetarian is anything that casts a shadow uh, I won't eat. But to Noah, he said, anything that casts a shadow, you can kill it and eat it. <laughs> so uh, 
if you're vegetarian, I'm happy for you. Um, I do like meat. Um, and that's just a, a silly side note from Genesis. He goes on to say uh, in 31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning was the sixth day. Uh, I really wanted you to see in Genesis 1, God has a concern for man's appetite. He's telling you, this is, this is what I want you eating. Uh, and, and when God saw uh, everything that it was good, he's emphasizing the fact uh, that he's sufficient. There, nobody was lacking anything. There was, no, uh, there was no doctor visits in the garden. There was no sickness in the garden. He had made it very good, and God was sufficient. If you go a little bit over to Genesis 2, verse 8 and 9, and the Lord God commanded, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put man whom he had formed, and out of the ground made the Lord to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Again, emphasizing God's sufficiency. You know, just read 16 with me as well. I don't want to miss this. Uh, 16 says, And the Lord God commanded of the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Um, all of the Garden of Eden was made for God's glory and man's enjoyment. It, when he saw in, in, that it was good, it was very good. It was very good. Nothing was missing. And and uh, I don't. I think as a younger man, I had this thought about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm like, why would God do that? Why would He put a big old temptation right in the middle of the Garden of Eden, right next to the tree? I mean, I, we're we're supposed to come to the tree of life uh, and eat and live, uh, and then right there, why would God do that? All of creation was meant to be in harmony and part of the harmony of God's creation was obedience. And it was all beautiful. So that as man eats from the tree of life, he can look over at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil with no, no dislike. It was a beautiful tree. And part of the beauty of it was this is the tree that God's given me and that's the tree where I obey God. And so... In our life, again, I would, like to, I would like to encourage you, dear brother or sister, that there's something you're having trouble letting go. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I've been there. I've, I'm still there, and I'll be there. But it's not okay. And we need to be careful, and we need to be careful of what we're allowing. Um, we need to trade up. Uh, it's not okay. Uh, so, so there's the tree. Um, and then you might say, how did, how did man fall? Was it, what happened with that? Everything's perfect. How did man fall? Um, we're going to look at the fall, but only in the sense uh, of how it relates to appetite, really, mostly. Um, and, and again, I'm not, I have no desire to hammer on your physical appetite. If you get that tonight, then good for you. My heart is spiritual. Uh, I want us to rise up spiritually. I, don't change a thing with the way you eat. I don't care. But do change a thing with allowing God's righteousness and allowing uh, him to change your life uh, and rise up spiritually.
Uh, so please don't misunderstand that. So we see in verse uh, 1 of chapter 3 now the serpent. Uh, he comes in. And how did man fall? If you look at 6 of Genesis 3, it says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her, uh, and he did eat. Um, I fully, I have no, uh, I'm not sure, but I'm from the wording of this passage, this shouldn't really land on Eve. Honestly, where Adam was there, so it's not even like where was Adam. Uh, he says to, she did eat and gave also unto the, her husband with her. What you know? If somebody's, if some guy's tempting my wife and I'm standing there, it's I'm not gonna just you know. Well, let's see how this plays out. No, I, I'm gonna stop it before that. And so, but, but what I want you to see in this passage: How did they fall? How did it says, uh, and the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Well, that tree wasn't good for food. That was the tree that I'm gonna obey God with. Uh, and so she was looking at something in a way God never intended her to look at it. It was beautiful for sure, but God didn't expect her to be looking at that tree. He didn't intend her to be looking at that tree that way. And then, if you read a little bit further, um, pleasant to the eyes and here, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She was looking at something she should not have been looking at, And she was thinking about something in a way that she should not have been thinking. And so if you think again, set your affection. My mind is bent on a direction of God. Um, Bet the farm. (laughs) Too much gambling talk tonight. Uh, That there's going to be a passion that's going to want to pull you from God. There's going to be a a passion. And And if it's a little bit out of order... But let's, we're still in the same area. Take a look at uh, Genesis 4, verse 6. God is actually uh, interacting with a man about his, his sin struggle. And wouldn't that be something? And I, and I wonder how much of us um, would, would continue on into sin. I hope no one. But imagine if you and I, in our sin problem, if God were to come down and say, listen, let me help you with this. Uh, And so Cain is having a problem with sin, pride probably. Um, God said these offerings are acceptable. This is not. Uh, Cain brings the wrong offering, and it's rejected, and he's mad. And verse 6, and says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thou countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire. And thou shalt rule over him. Sin unto you, Cain. Sin, you're the desire of sin. And I think of a, a, a poor little guy. And he's scrubby and he's sunburned. And he's in a raft. And this big old shark is circling his raft. And unto him is his desire. That shark doesn't want to take a bite. That shark wants to swallow. Uh, and this shark of sin, uh, it, it, be careful of the passions. It, you cannot 
Um, you can't weigh them out. Uh, you you can't stop and start. You need to just let them go. Um, that got ahead of myself. Um, I, I want to continue to look at the the fall in in the sense of appetite. And here in verse 14, we see God's love for you and I and God's love for mankind. Um, and I want, I want you to know that God loves you uh, right where you are. God loves you with that thing that you're struggling with letting go. He loves you. Um, he's able. Um, and I'll, I'll cry pretty much about anything. Um, but I'll cry with you uh, about whatever's, was, whatever's holding you. We've got we to gotta let it go. So God's continuing love in verse 14 uh, and the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and in the dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. You see that word there in the, towards the middle. Thou art cursed. Thou art cursed. And sometimes if you and I aren't careful, you, you may think that God has cursed me or God is is against me. And even in the this wicked thing of taking this great gift that God has given and and straying from it, um, even in the midst of this, um, God curses the serpent. Eve receives a consequence, uh, and I will put enmity between uh, sixteen, and under the woman he said I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over you. No, no curse there. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. Did you see that? Cursed is the ground. He curses the serpent. He does not curse Eve, and he does not curse Adam, and then he, he does curse the ground. So God intentionally um, is saying, I love you. I still love you. I still have what's best for you. And uh, we're going to have to bring this to a landing uh, soon. I'm sorry. Um, you're probably happy. I'm sorry because <laughs> there are more thoughts I had for you. Um, The curse, not the curse, the judgment uh, on Adam. He says, uh, middle of 17, Thou shalt not uh, eat of it. Curse is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Uh, thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread till thou return to the ground, for out of it thou hast Thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and dust thou shalt return. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread. So, uh, almost each time I preach, the Lord gives me something really cool um, that I can take away from it. I hope you've got something you can take away from tonight. But I did. Uh, and it was just really kind of an epiphany of uh, God's love for us uh, and and his, his plan for us. So, Adam is eating from the tree of life. He's uh, looking at the beautiful tree of knowledge 
everything's in harmony. Uh, there is no work for it. Um, God loves Adam, and he's given him such a beautiful gift. Um, such a gift. As a matter of fact, we won't turn there for the sake of time. But if you look in Revelation chapter 22, um, we see, what, lo and behold, the tree of life. Uh, and this is not a tree uh, somewhere in the orchards where, you know, when uh, as a young boy I thought, man, I'm going to get tired of, of gathering around the throne. <laughs> you know, how, I get tired of a church service, never mind an eternity around the throne. Um, I don't think that's true anymore. I think we could spend eternity around the throne. But I wondered if there's some distant orchard where I want to go do whatever. Uh, this, is, this tree of life is not in some distant orchard in heaven. Uh, it's in the very center of heaven. It's, it's the throne. The, the tree of life is in the midst of the, of the waters of life, in the river, um, in, in picture roots, and it's in the center of the river, and the water flows from the throne. So its source is God. And I would imagine there's an essence of God in the river because it says that the leaves of it uh, of the tree, as it drinks from the river, the leaves for the tree were for the healing of the nation. So the essence of God is somehow given into the fruit of this tree. And, and we don't see any difference between that tree and the tree of life in the garden. It was totally sufficient. And as before sin, Adam is enjoying communion with God. The essence of God from heaven. Uh, and there's communion, uh, and I don't think he's baking apple pies or, or, or whatever. I think he's just enjoying no work, uh, God's blessing, God's love, and it was beautiful. Sin comes in, and God, and God says, you're going to be working for bread uh, by the sweat of your brow, and it's not going to be easy. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 6. I think I'm going to close in about four minutes, come what may. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John 6. Uh, I have no idea where I'm in my notes. 32 to 35 we're going to look at. 32 uh, says this, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Uh, and this is the part. We could get a little Pentecostal and raise our hands and clap or something. I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to do that. Um, it says there in 37, or 36, uh, or 35, uh, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. Uh, I, he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Did you see that? Man's got a free gift in heaven. Uh, he's got communion with God, um, and it's beautiful. And then there's a fall, um, and, and man's uh, driven from the garden for his own sake. Or out of God's love, he's, he's cast out of the garden. Um, and now Jesus comes. And he says, I am that bread. And he was not referring to the manna uh, during, during the Exodus. Um, 
He's saying, I am that bread, referring all the way back to Genesis, where, where there's a break in communion. He's saying, I've come to restore the communion. I am the bread of life. Uh, what, a, what a marvelous thing. And for you that think that you could lose uh, your, your uh, salvation, uh, I'm truly sorry for you. It would be a terrible way if, if that were true. Uh, I don't know how many times I've lost it. Uh, but it's not true. Because here in 37, uh, he says, Jesus is still speaking. I'm the bread of life. And then he says, all that my Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. He's, he's, he's restored the communion. He's given us the gift. It's free. And once we receive it, not like the garden where there can be a fall, he says, I will in no wise cast you out. That's pretty good. That's better than pretty good. How amazing. Um, I am crashing to the landing right now. Um, God cares. Um, he wants you to rise up. We need to be careful um, which, uh, what we're feeding. Are, are we, it, it, I'm telling you, uh, if we'll feed the righteousness um, that God has given, it's, it's wanting to do a work in you. Uh, if we feed sin, uh, its desire shall be for you. Um, but God's told Canaan, he's telling you, um, Rule, we have to rule over it. And this is not, let's dig deep, let's try harder, but let's, let's walk in faith. Let's allow God's work to do its work and let's make choices towards that. Um, the, I'm going to close with this verse uh, in Ephesians 3. And it's going to be 14 to 21. Galatians, Ephesians. Uh, it's, you could call it a benediction even. Ephesians 3, 14 to, 15, 14 to 21. If you, in here, I, I actually see references of Jesus to the, the second Adam. Uh, he says, by whom uh, all of heaven is named. And Adam named um, all of the animals here on earth. Uh, and then he says, um, in 17, he says, And ye being rooted and grounded in love. Do you remember the, the ground was cursed for, uh, for Adam's sake? Uh, and man, and he actually says, You're going to return to the, to the ground from which you were taken, the, the ground which is now cursed. Uh, and so in 17, we're going to read together that we're, we're not under a curse, and we are no longer of that ground. He's transplanted us. It says here, you being rooted and grounded in love. You, you and I have been transplanted uh, into Jesus Christ. Our identity is Him, in him, and really our identity is him. So let me read it and then uh, pray. 14 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might, by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith and that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length, the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge and that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him 
that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Under him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that tonight any misword that I've had, Lord, forgive me, and I pray that it would it would pass. But any area of our life, Lord, that we need to make changes on, uh, Lord, I pray that we would rely on Your strength, Lord, that we would uh, rely on the power of Your Holy Spirit and the power of Your Word, uh, Lord. And I pray that You would help us to change, Lord, help us never to be okay with sin in our life. Lord, help us to um, want to be like you because you're holy. Lord, I pray that each person tonight would be blessed as we go. Give us a safe journey home. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.